With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for season three of Sticks in the Six, uh, episode 92. Gentlemen, great to be back for yet another year. Um, I guess we'll kick it off with a little intro here. Alex, how you been doing so far over the last month? Uh, it's it, It's been good. It's been a pretty... Uh... A uh, pretty hectic month for me in terms of just settling into a new a new house and a new uh, position and a, a new house that I'm renting. I haven't bought a house. There's don't even fucking start. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> there is a zero percent chance I'm I, I'm going to be able to do that maybe in the next twenty years. But anyways, um, yeah, I've settled into my new place. Um, uh, I just started my new job. It's been hectic, but uh, I'm finally for the first time in a long time sort of settled into a position where I think I know I'm going to be for a while, which is nice because I've got that clarity. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I clearly miss the the feeling of being stressed 24 seven by my sports team, which is how the blue Jays have been playing <laughs> over the past month. So thank God for them and uh, make, making sure that I don't let my guard down as a sports fan too easily over the summer. Um, that's pretty much been the last month for me, just settling down, starting this new job, watching Blue Jays baseball and going to bed fucking pissed off every night and then maybe happy <laughs> the next night. It's just, it's been a roller coaster for sports this year. <laughs> uh, the Toronto, Toronto sports in a nutshell. I see the golf clubs back there as well. Uh, get oh, yeah. for any, uh, any golf <laughs> I do and I actually have a story now that you bring that up I went golfing at this little uh this little par three course it's kind of close and I'm, I'm a shit golfer so a par three is right <laughs> up my alley um and I, I I'm sitting in my golf cart and I go to take a sip of my sip of my drink and I pull the bottle up and took a big swig because it was the last sip there's a fucking wasp on the inside of the bottle and I got oh. stung on the inside of my bottle lip right there uh. you can't you're listening you won't be able to see but inside of my bottom lip oh and that happened on the third hole of the course so i had it i i had i was just thrown off my game for the rest of the uh. rest of the day i couldn't focus because i've got this throbbing pain of fucking wasp sting on my in on the inside of my lip this massive bottle or this massive bump oh rather oh my god and it was all because i didn't check the inside of my bottle so rookie Jesus. mistake never making it again and uh yeah, I'm glad you pointed out my golf set there, Forbes. I've got a beautiful, I've got a beautiful driver, and then the rest of my irons probably worth about forty dollars in total. So, uh, it's all we all have those starter sets. I remember mine was that I bought my first set at a garage sale for ten bucks. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I got this one for thirty or for like forty bucks to play it against sports. So not there too you far go. Removed. Peter, how are you doing, buddy? I mean, how do I top off a golf story about getting stung by a wasp in the mouth? Like, wow, wow, we got to set the bar pretty high right now. Um, I'm doing good. Um, you know, as we talked on the podcast before, I'm like very big in the like nerd stuff or whatever. And, you know, I've watched Stranger Things. So 
for the first time in two years, I went back to Fan Expo. And obviously, you know, NerdCon, everything, super excited. And I got to meet Eddie Munson himself, Joe Quinn. Super excited. Got him to sign my Master of Puppets uh, CD cover because, you know, he played Master of Puppets. And I'm not going to see Metallica get autographs from them anytime soon because they're too big right now. So, yeah, that's probably going to be my most treasured thing, assigned Eddie Munson Metallica cover, even though he has nothing to do with Metallica. Though he did do a playthrough with them. So they're, they're, they're pretty tight as friends. So yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, to say the least, that's always like my end of summer weekend kind of thing, getaway with friends. So glad that sort of normalcy's happening right now. Peter, I love how you, you said you don't know how you'll be able to top up my story of getting stung by a wasp. And then you proceed to say you got a CD <laughs> signed by Eddie Munson from Stranger Things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd say that, that, I'd is, say that, that was is... a cooler story than mine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess. Cause yeah, no, the, I, like the joy of like meeting a celebrity and then a pain. Yeah, I, I guess, but it's still it, it, like, it's still very random kind of thing here. You just line up and meet the person and then gone kind of thing. Still, it's still cool. I didn't meet, I didn't meet Eddie Munson over the weekend. So. <laughs> Oh, well, boys, uh, as as both of you know, my my last month's been uh, a little up and down. Little girl, uh, baby girl, tried to make an early entrance, and uh, things are things are going much better for us. But um, that's good. Yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been a wild ride the last month. Uh, obviously, getting back into this with you guys, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun ride. We got a lot of big news coming up uh, over the next week. So if you're listening, stay tuned, um, and hopefully, we'll see you next year. Uh, well, next year, like as in next season, um, as in a month from now, as in a month from now, <laughs> as, as we as we get the ball rolling here on season three is sticks in the six. Um, but uh, let's just jump right into it. Uh, the, the Leafs have had a, a pretty, pretty busy offseason, I'd say um, a few new faces in camp. Obviously, uh, the, the one that we ha- will not see just yet is Rasmus Sandin. And um, obviously, you know, there's, there's question marks as to what's going on with that situation. Uh, some, some reports are saying that, uh, you know, they're, they're too far apart. Other reports are just, you know, he, he's ready to hold out and, and pull the, the William Nylander. Um, Peter, what are your thoughts on the Rasmus Sandin situation and, and where's this going to go for the, for the Maple Leafs? Yeah, it, it's really difficult. Um, you know, on one hand, like it just this, like you said, it's like the William Nylander situation all over again. Deja vu, at least like with the Mitch Marner contract he signed during camp or right when camp was starting up. But it seems like this could go the distance. And we all know how, you know, one set or one sect of Leafs Twitter does not like the fact that Dubas caved in and gave William Nylander 6.9 million, even though that's still a fantastic deal. But um, the fact that he's still holding out, it, it is a cause for concern because, you know, he's got he's got high upside. It's just he hasn't reached his potential just yet. And also, you know, the last few seasons being the third pairing, you want to try and see him take that next push or next level. He really hasn't run away with it yet, although there was some signs that he was probably going to last season. And Timothy Lilligren, who has taken the strides, made the adjustments and looked very well with uh, Mark Giordano got his contract he's he's taking that opportunity and running with it I don't think they're just seeing that with Sandine just yet and I don't want to get to that point where we got to trade Rasmus Sandine right now but if it gets to a point where 
you know, you're already crowded on the left-hand side. You also have some right-hand D or dual defenseman in Victor Mete and Jordy Ben that can play both sides. He's further down the depth chart right now in terms of trying to crack the roster. So if you're able to try and move him and get something, you know, of a need up front, so be it. But, you know, you still want to try and sign him because he could be a very potential and dangerous piece. Alex, 22 years old, uh, 28 points in 88 games so far in his career. We're talking about a first-round pick here. What what are the Maple Leafs going to do here with Rasmus Sandy? Well, I've kind of maintained this entire time that this has been going on, that I'm going to try not to read too much into this because there's nothing the Toronto media loves more than trying to milk a, an RFA negotiation story in Toronto. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I'm having a kind of a hard time trying to figure out where Sandine's camp is coming from here, because if it's, if playing time is the concern for him, the two roadblocks for him right now are Jake Muzzin, who for the past like two years, we haven't known what his health is like and what his health is going to be throughout the year. And Mark Giordano, who's 39 years old, he's got maybe like they signed him to a two-year contract. I can't imagine he's going to play further than two years. So there is a clear path for Rasmus Sandin to take over one of those roles in the top four on the left side over the next couple of years. And if it really, really comes down to him, not like not wanting to play the right side for one year while the other two defensemen kind of play out their last, their last year or two in Toronto, then I really do not understand where, where he's getting his advice from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's tough. Cause like you said, Peter, the potential is clearly there. Like this guy, you know, he's, uh, people forget how quickly he developed the Leafs draft him in 27 or sorry, 2018. And like he was playing NHL games the year after the two years after that. So the potential is clearly there for this guy. He's already got the smarts. He's already got a sound defensive game. He's, his offense has to develop a little bit, but overall all the makings are there for him to be a solid top four defenseman. So if the question is, do you want the Leafs to, you know, try and make a move for him and trying to try, try and find a new home for him. If he doesn't sign the answer to that is no, because I'd rather them do whatever they can to re-sign him. But at the same time, after going through all that bullshit with William Nylander in 2018 and then Mitch Marner in 2019, I'm just, I'm just so over these stories and con players holding out for contracts and stuff like that. And in my opinion, based on the sample size we saw last year, I think Timothy Lilligren was better than Rasmus Sandin overall. Mm-hmm. And you know, they got him signed to what was it like a one-year deal at 2.25 million or something like that. It two was years. Two years. Okay. Two so years, 1.4 year per. So I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm having a hard time justifying paying him more than I'd pay Timothy Lilligren if I'm Dubas. And at the same time, I, I just don't know where, I don't know why he's holding out right now. If that, if it's, if it's not money and if it has to do with playing time, like, he's got to see that there's a clear path for him to be a guy that he wants to be in Toronto. So I don't know. I hope this situation's wrapped up sooner rather than later. I'm not going to overthink it or let it ruin any of my days or anything like that, because in the end it's a, it's an RFA negotiation. They'll figure it out one way or another, but um, yeah, I just, I, I hope that this is wrapped up soon. And if, if it's not, if he ends up holding out, then at this point he can go because they've, He's a, he's a great piece and he's got lots of potential, but at the same time, he is not a, he's not a crucial piece to this roster heading into this season. I think the Leafs would be able to manage without him. So balls in his court, I guess. And that's the main important thing too. He doesn't really have a whole lot of leverage compared to other RFAs. I mean, 
still on the third pairing. He tried to move up onto the top four on the right-hand side. Didn't quite work out. As soon as Giordano came in, he barely saw any play time. And you want to try and get that, but he's got to prove it at this point now. He's got nothing going for him at this point. Yeah, I'll say the the, the one thing I, I had a hard time with in the, the league over the last couple of years is, is that people are or players are paid for their potential, right? They're paid based on what they possibly could do. Um, and I think that's the situation here. I mean, you're talking about a guy, like I said, he's 22 years old. He's played 88 games, small sample size, um, really doesn't have the overall leverage, like you said, Peter, to, to make an argument to, to get more than what Timothy Lilligren, uh, received in his contract. And, and, you know, that being said, it'd be a, a major loss. I think if the Leafs don't find a way to get him signed, just because, you know, like, like you said, Alex, there, there is potential there. There is. There is a there is a clear path for him to to jump into that top four in the next couple of seasons, and he needs to realize that that you know it's work work harder. I mean, you could you could still find a way to get into that top four within the next year or two, based on how you play and 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 the opportunities that you're given. If you can excel in the opportunities that you're given, then you're going to have way more potential at trying to uh, you know crack that top four. I think that's going to be the big thing, but. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to lean on that same, same thing that you're leaning on there, Alex, and, and not reading too much into it. Um, Kyle Dubas clearly has a plan on what he's going to, what he's, you know, looking to offer and where he wants to stay. And I think, I think he's going to find a way to get it done because this is, this is a former first round pick. I mean, you're not going to just let him walk for nothing. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I think Sandin gets signed. It's just a matter of where he where he fits into the overall lineup at, uh, heading into this season. But um, I'm really we, glad before we before we stray away from this. I'm really glad that you mentioned the fact that if he plays well enough, he could take one of those spots because it's it's mm -hmm. absolutely true. Like we're it talking about we're talking about Mark Giordano right here, the guy who, according to some people's metrics and charts, he could have received five million dollars on the market. We're talking about a guy who took eight hundred fucking thousand dollars to come back and play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So you're telling me that if Rasmus Sandin played well enough, that Sheldon Keith was like, "Hey, Mark, listen, um, Rasmus has become a very important part of our team. We want him playing these top four minutes. We want him. We might have to shelter you a little bit in these coming games. Do you think Giordano is going to say no? Do you think this guy is going to like?" We, we talk about the Spezza deal and Giordano and guys who veteran guys from Toronto who, you know, are doing whatever they can to help the team. And if we're talking about a guy who's going to take like $4 million less than what he's probably worth on the market, you think that this guy is going to really make a stink about Rasmus Sandin passing him on the death chart? Absolutely not. So there, there is a clear path for Rasmus Sandin to take one of those spots. Like you said, if he, like he can outplay them and if he does, then I'm sure he'll get that spot, but yeah, I just don't see. Yeah. Even Muzzin though. I mean, you talk about Muzzin's health over the last couple of years. I mean, there's, there's true potential that that Muzzin could be out of the lineup at some point. I mean, he had two concussions last year, mm -hmm. right? Like one more hit and this guy's, this guy's career could be done at that point. I mean, it, it's unfortunate, obviously for Muzzin, we don't want to see that happen, but Sandine has to understand that there is, there is room, there is wiggle room here. He can make that lineup. He can crack the top four. It's just about, you know, biding your time. And, and I think, you know, 
like you said, if if he's not if he's maybe he's not receiving the right uh, the right advice, I'm not sure. But his camp's definitely got to wake up and, and and understand he's got a, a good shot at playing for a good team if he stays with uh, stays with Toronto. Alex, um, there's been a lot of before we jump over to the Atlantic Division uh, preview here. There's a lot of uh, a lot of rumors swirling about Patrick Kane, and I I mean I didn't really want to bring this up because it's. Yeah, there's obviously no room. We're talking about trying to sign Rasmus Sandin and people are talking about, you know, the potential of Patrick Kane coming in and mentoring an already two-time Rocket Richard trophy winner. Um, what are your thoughts on the rumors and, and is there ever going to be potential that we see Patrick Kane in blue and white? I no, I think that's just a rumor that people come up with because it's the middle of August and there's nothing else to talk about. Like the dog days. Really? Like uh, well, honestly, like this is the time this is the time of the summer where all the GMs are up in Muskoka at their cottages and they've turned off their phones for a month. And the fans are sitting here craving any sort of news, anything to anything to talk about. And as far as I'm concerned, the rumor came from some Instagram account that just the NHL breaks or whatever the hell it's called. It just it came from a a rumor account that didn't really even cite a source or anything. It just said Dubas and Davidson have had brief discussions about, about <laughs> Patrick Kane. And so, no, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that if, if by some sliver of a chance it does happen, then I think it would be a deadline deal. If anything, I don't think it's going to be a deal that happens before the season. Um, at the same time, I know that nobody wants to talk about this, but I hope that not. I hope that everybody didn't just forget about the whole Blackhawks thing last year either. I'm not sure yeah. I want a guy like Patrick Kane in the dressing room. <clears throat> and you know what? Some people will say, "Oh, fucking social justice warrior. Who cares? He's learned his lesson, etc." I, you know, we talk about building a culture and improving the culture of the game and all this. And I don't think that take bringing in a guy who, you know, played a part in covering up those sexual assaults has some allegations of his own from 2015, 16. And obviously you look back at his punching a cab driver story. I know that was when he was younger and maybe a little, maybe a little dumber, but I just, I, I don't know. I think there's guys that you can bring in that are better than Patrick Kane as a person. And I know that you don't win Stanley cups by having good people in the dressing room, like entirely at least, but I just don't, I, I don't know. I think, I think Kane's just got too much weight. I, I don't think I'd want him in the dressing room if I'm being honest. So, so what you're saying though, is that Davidson leaked this news that they were having conversations. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he didn't learn his lesson from talking to Dubas yeah, last time. Right? Yeah. He might, he might run that Instagram account. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows his burner account, NHL breaks. <laughs> um, Peter, your thoughts on, uh, on the Kane rumors. Yeah. I mean, I mean, no, no. I mean, it would it be nice because of his production in the past. Yeah. But the Maple Leafs have an abundance of talent already. You don't need someone like Patrick Kane to try and, you know, be that offensive factor. You want someone that could be more reliable in your own end. And I don't think Patrick Kane is just that, um, you know, would you like to see Kane Matthews and Marner as a top line? I mean, yeah, but that's like, you know, EA sports, NHL fantasy world kind of thing. But to see him on the Maple Leafs with the depth that they already have, and he's really not what they need, another, like, high-end puck-moving offensive superstar. You need someone that's, you know, can play a physical game, can be a middle six player that can move up and down the lineup and be responsible on both sides of the puck. And I don't think Kane fits that description that they want. Um, 
I did make a joke. Well, not necessarily a joke. I mean, wishful thinking, but probably won't happen that maybe, you know, the Dallas Stars have their own RFA situations with Jason Robertson and my, uh, Jake Ottinger. You know, I would rather see the Maple Leafs try and make a deal to try and get Jason Robertson in. Again, no, no, no cast space. You're going to have to rework that to try and play with his brother, Nick. Because um, I think Nick, uh, Jason Robertson would probably be more something the Maple Leafs are looking for, you know, second line player. He's probably going to be top line anyways, but still a top six player that you can insert on the top line, move Michael Bunting down. And then you have Robertson, Matthews, Marner again, don't know how the money's going to work, but, and I'm, I'm kind of digressed because we're talking about Kane, but I, I, I just don't see it happening. I really don't. I think like Alex said, there are many more players that have more of an impact that would benefit the Maple Leafs more than just another superstar on the team and i get i I get that you know you got to make deals you got to act on you know what's best for the team i just don't think patrick kane is right for the team man i can't believe the leafs are going into the season without jason robertson and jake odinger signed it's fucked yeah i know it's insane the caps the leafs are in cap hell right now i don't know if they're gonna make it out of this way wait hold on did you see that comment though about the owner not wanting to pay for like i did superstars that is like that then how do you how do you win games without goals like, but then I honestly Robertson though, deserves to get paid. I I agree. I agree to an extent because I do think that again, this is this is based on potential. Because to me, yeah. I mean, Rupe Hints goes out. Let's say Rupe Hints goes out. You don't have Pavelski anymore. That was the top. That was their top line was yeah. Pavelski, Hints, and Robertson. Can Robertson carry his own line? That that's mm. that's the question mark. I don't think they've seen that he can carry his own line. I mean, you put Robertson on with Ben and, and Sagan and you know, does he do that, have the same production? I don't like, and that's, that's where I think this owner is trying to come from. And I, I think he worded it completely wrong, but I think he's trying to say like, am I paying for potential? He's had, you know, one and a half good seasons, like great seasons. I want to see more. I can get where he's coming from, but I just think it was a very stupid thing to say to the hundred percent, hundred percent, especially <laughs> like, on, especially on the Cam and Strick show. Like, I mean, you're not, you're not even trying to put it into like a, a newspaper where maybe, half of half of your your fan base isn't going to read it anymore you're putting it out there on a podcast that is like what top 10 in canada or top 10 in the u.s right now i would say top three uh it's a top three former hockey player podcast when you've got spit and checklets and then you've got the fucking missing curfew or whatever it's called yeah (laughs) three three podcasts three podcasts with former uh former goons on it former nhl players and yeah so i'd have to they they definitely you definitely shouldn't have said something like that on such a platform like that. Yeah. No, and, and I, this I agree. This guy's got a history of slamming his own players too. I think he said something about Ben and Sagan a couple of years ago about their he production. Did. Mm-hmm. And he did. Again, it's not, it's not like necessarily unwarranted. The comment didn't come from, a, didn't come from out of nowhere, but at the same time, like, is, is it really wise to shit on your star players to the media? Like, I, I don't think it is. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. I think he just, he doesn't know, really know where to kind of draw the line in what he's saying. Maybe, maybe that's a dressing room thing that he needs to bring down to them. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely an interesting comment to make. Um, before we jump over to the Atlantic Division breakdown, I just want to quickly uh, send our thoughts to uh, the family of Eli Palfreyman, um from the Airs, uh, the Air Sentinels, I believe it is, um, of the uh, GOJHL. Um, obviously some really sad news, 20 years old. I can't even imagine, uh, what, what, what his teammates and his, and his family and, 
and what the entire uh, league is going through right now. Um, just uh, some scary stuff, obviously an on ice issue that, uh, um, you know, regardless of how it happened, um, 20 years old, just named captain, I believe five days prior. So just, uh, yeah, just some, some really sad news. And, um, you know, I don't want to get into it, but there's obviously the, uh, the scumbags online discussing, you know, how he passed away and we're not even going to give them the time of day because I think it's complete bullshit what they're saying, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just, uh, sending our best from sticks in the six to his family and uh, obviously his teammates as well um atlantic division breakdown gentlemen so we're just going to quickly run through these teams here give our thoughts on on you know whether they've improved where we see them finishing um we'll start it off with the boston bruins the big old boston bruins uh bringing back bergeron bringing back krejci uh on one-year deals zaka resigned uh studnikas resigned didn't really lose too much um curtis curtis lazar maybe the biggest loss for them I, again, a bottom six guy. Um, Peter, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the Boston Bruins going into 22-23? Barely just holding on to the playoff spot. I really don't think they improved that much. Obviously, they signed Hampus Lindholm. I, I, I think that was kind of their off-season deal because they made that transaction at the deadline and then signed him to that offer that extension so because he was going to be a ufa anyway so it kind of ties in with that i think that was their big signing but even so um just the bruins as a whole last season even down the stretch they didn't look like the big bad bruins that we saw in previous years and i don't think bringing in david krejci alone is going to help solve that i mean patrice bergeron is still patrice bergeron like he could be same thing like you know 40 41 and still put up a decent 50 point season at that point and he's still going to be awesome uh david pasternak is going to be the x factor because he doesn't have a contract if he's going if this is going to be their final season and he walks and he doesn't get the money from the bruins that's going to be a big question mark or a big you know asterisk beside it like why didn't you sign him sooner but as a whole I just don't think the Bruins have it in them to be a major contender. Um, Again, playoff team, but I think they're going to have some competition breathing down them because they didn't make a whole lot of improvements. I mean, you can say about some other teams, how they added and subtracted and didn't quite move the needle, but I don't think Boston did any of that at all. Alex, your thoughts on the Bruins going into the season? Yeah, I'm not going to write them off because I've written them off in the past and they somehow find a way to come back and still be the annoying Bruins we all know and love and hate. So um, I'm with Peter, like uh, and analyzing them objectively. I think that I don't think David Krejci coming in as a free agent was really was really enough to, you know, put them in the same group as some of the other teams in the Atlantic. I think that, you know, I think a lot of the teams in the Atlantic actually either didn't either stay the same or got worse Mm -hmm. with the exception of the, of the lower teams like Ottawa and we'll get to them eventually. But um, yeah, I mean, with the, with the Bruins only transaction being bringing in Krejci and Rask is officially retired now, as we know. Um, I just don't know that. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I, I see the Bruins being, in the same position they were last year, maybe that fourth, that fourth team, the first or second wildcard team, maybe just missed the playoffs by a hair. I don't know. It depends on how it depends on 
what version of Krejci the Bruins get, because if he can channel his, you know, 2015, 2016 around then that version of Krejci, then I think they've got, they've got a legitimate bolster, uh, bolster to their offense. But um, as it stands right now, I don't think they got better. Um, bringing in Krejci, sure. That's, that's solid, I guess, but they didn't make a big move in my opinion. So I, I, I think that they're probably going to hang around the middle of the division, I would say. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think, you know, Krejci, obviously, we talked about great guys in the room. I think Krejci's a great addition. You bring back that core and and all the power to Boston for running it back, but the same core they've had for the last 10 years. Um, it'll be interesting to see because the goaltending is still where it was at last year. Swayman had an unbelievable season last year. Can he repeat, you know, is Linus Allmark a, a guy that can, can step it up? Uh, their goaltending for me is a question mark. Their back end is a question mark. Charlie McAvoy is your main guy, but Brandon Carlo has been dealing with a lot of injuries over the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Um, on top of that, I do think Posternak comes back with a little bit more energy this season. He obviously had some personal things going on uh, last year, which uh, which definitely hampered his, his play. Um, and then it'll be all, all how they do in the, the middle six there. Taylor Hall, obviously a guy that never wanted to be in the spotlight in Edmonton, um, kind of, you know, playing under his MVP caliber play uh, since, since heading to Boston. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if a guy like Fabian Lysel can make uh, make the team out of camp. True. If he does, that, yeah. could, that could change things. But I do believe that this team is, is more of a um, middle of the pack team rather than, you know, top three. Um, and, uh, you know, Jake DeBrusque, another big question mark on the Boston Bruins heading into the season. He wanted out last year, um, you know, and uh, we'll see what he can do if he can bring the energy again this year for Boston. Uh, but for me, definitely a middle of the pack team. Um, the Buffalo Sabres, the Buffalo Sabres. Mm. So they re-signed Uko Pekka Lukanen. Uh, this team looked very good at the end of the year. Uh, Victor Olofsson, um, they lost guys like Aaron Dell, Colin Miller, uh, Jankowski, Pisek. They lost like a lot of their like uh, depth players. Again, the team looked very good heading into the end of the season. Uh, Alex Tuck really stepped it up. Um, Jeff Skinner had a, had probably his best season since signing that massive deal. Um, Owen Power likely going to be a mainstay on the on the uh, the uh, roster this season. Alex, what are your thoughts on the Buffalo Sabers? Um, yeah, it was kind of funny to see Jeff Skinner's rebound this year because he, he, when he signed that long contract scored 40 goals in 2018, 19, and then just seemed like he took two years off and then came back this year and scored 33. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, in terms of the Sabres, I think they're in a position right now where they're not ready to compete, but I think they're officially in the stage of, okay, we're going to give the young guys the reins. Let's see what they can do. And if they show that they're ready to, you know, be competitive and stay in hockey games and, you know, not be the, the bottoming out lottery team, the Buffalo Sabres have been for the past couple of years. Then I think maybe next year we'll start to see them pursue bigger free agents and maybe try and build around those young players more. But yeah, obviously uh, the Sabres are, the Sabres are still, I think going to be a non-competitor in the, uh, in the Atlantic division. I think, it's just, like I said, going to be mostly about letting their younger players take another step. They've got Dalene, they've got power. I think they're going to, they're, they're going to grant full-time minutes, Peyton Krebs. I think you're going to see Jack Quinn possibly get a look at some point as well. I think they got a lot of players who are just 
it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a show me the youth kind of year for them. And like I said, they're not I'm not worried about them in the big picture. I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna contend in the Atlantic division, but I do know that they're probably going to beat the Leafs every single time they play this year because that's just how it goes. So uh yeah, oh, overall, because of Craig Anderson. Yeah, yeah, the Leafs can't figure out 41-year-old Craig Anderson. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think the Sabers will. Uh, I think they'll have a respectable season. I, I don't think they're going to be the bottoming out lottery team, like I said. But um, I don't know when your biggest free agent signings are Riley Shahan and Ilya Labushkin. Due respect, I love Bush. Um, I don't know. I just <laughs> not sure. I really not sure. I really see that team contending. But I definitely think they're on the right path. Your thoughts, Peter, on the Buffalo Sabers? Yeah, it's interesting how Jeff Skinner matched his career best in points after his first season. I think that I think he really needed to take a step forward, and he did. Um, if anybody needed to have a bounce back season, it was going to be him. But I'm curious to see, like Alex, I'm curious to see if the youth movement can happen right now with Quinn moving up, Paterka. Um, slight spoiler alert because it is coming out at some point when we're recording today and it's already going to be out but i have the buffalo sabers as the top farm system or prospect pool right now because of quinn paterka uh they drafted savoy uh oslin kulich um but the main attraction is going to be owen power uh i i think he's going to take a big season this year or take a big step this season um looked great in the eight games that he played uh, down the stretch and yeah this is going to be a big measuring stick season for them because they're th- th- this is going to be one of those teams that you got to look out for that you're not going to be able to take lightly as we saw last year that they're in it to win it and also that Tate Thompson contract uh, they're really betting big on him to have a match and be consistent after his breakout season last year so interesting to see how that's going to play out but I think they're in the right spot they're going to um make some noise i don't think they're gonna make the playoffs but i think they're gonna they're they're gonna miss out but i think they're gonna be one of those teams that are just gonna absolutely love to play spoiler this season throughout the whole entire 82 game schedule and don't count them out because they got a lot of firepower coming up yeah no i i'm in agreement. i think they're gonna take a step this year i don't think they make it even close to the playoffs yet um but it's gonna be a fun team to watch and Mm -hmm. and you will see some of that youth movement i don't think you're gonna see a lot of like you know savoie and uh uh paterka just yet i think you know give it a no yeah yeah, give it a give it a couple years and, and you'll see these guys come up but this is exactly what they need to do this is the rebuild give these guys an opportunity see what they can do put them in front of the fans and and find a way to uh kind of you know, learn on the go. Um, for me, the biggest storyline here is going to see is going to be how Tage Thompson responds to that big contract he just mm-hmm. signed. Um, we talk about signing for potential. Um, Tage Thompson had a hell of a year last year, um, and, and it'll be interesting to see if he can continue that over the next uh, number of seasons for the the Buffalo uh, Sabers. Um, again, like I mentioned, Alex Tuck, obviously a guy that wants to be there. Um, there is a lot of youth in this team and I think they're going to be very exciting. I think it's going to be a team to watch. Uh, you know, if it, you know, if, if you can get down there for a leaf uh, Leafs Buffalo game, it might be one of the more interesting games this year for, for the Sabres. Um, as, as Alex mentioned, the, the Leafs never seem to know how to get it done. Um, obviously goaltending again, a big issue here, uh, past Craig Anderson, you have Eric Comrie and Malcolm Subban. So there's going to be a lot of goals when Buffalo's playing. Um, so take the over. Um, but aside from that, uh, 
yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a step in the right direction. I think that's exactly what they need. Um, the Detroit Red Wings, uh, another team that uh, was kind of bottoming out a couple years ago. Obviously they brought in some, uh, some names, um, but they lost, uh, sorry, they re-signed Philip Sedina. Um, they lost uh, Oli Ulevi. Uh, they lost Thomas Grice. So they did lose some names as well. But uh, again, another team that uh, has a very good uh, young core, uh, obviously Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider, um, a lot of big names coming up. Alex, what are your thoughts on the Detroit Red Wings? I think the Red Wings got better and there's no question about that. I mean, you know, they, they had their first season of where, where the, where the game plan was sign some free agents. who will be able to make an impact for us for the next couple of years, instead of just sign some free agents to, you know, plug the holes in the lineup and create placeholders for our younger players. However, I will say at the same time that a lot of these free agent contracts they signed this year, I'm, I wonder about because, yeah. you know, you're going to have to give a contract to Lucas Ray, Lucas Raymond in 24, 25. Um, same goes for Moritz Sider. Same goes for Philip Ronek that year. Uh, <laughs> and you've got a bunch of UFAs in between Tyler Bertuzzi after this season, Dylan Larkin after this season, Pius Suter after this season. So, there are a lot of guys that the Red Wings are going to have to worry about signing. And on top of that, you've got Andrew Kopp making $5.625 million until 27-28. You've got Ben Sherratt making four point seven five until 2027. David Perron, I think, was a great signing for them. I think mm-hmm. he's... Yeah. He, they, I, can't, I can't... Hold the fuck up. Sorry, I just realized this. David Perron was making the same amount of money as Ben Sherratt. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, that just kind of baffled me for a second. And on, <laughs> on that note, Andrew Cops making more than David Carroll, which I find <laughs> which I find very strange. Anyways, um, yeah, I think I think those contracts are good, and I think it's going to give. I, sorry, I think those players are good, and I think it's going to give Detroit a chance to make some noise this season, especially with like we said, the Bruins not really getting that much better. I think the Red Wings can compete with the Bruins a little bit, but. I don't know. I worry about those contracts that they signed on, on Red Wings fans behalf, because you know, when, when time comes to sign Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider, and you're already paying Ben Sherratt and Andrew Kopp four or $5 million. I mean, I think that's something that could come back to bite them, but obviously we're talking about this year and not the long-term plans for them. So in terms of this year, I think they will be competitive. I think the Atlantic division is still a little too hefty. So I can't say I'd guarantee them a playoff spot. And I also think that they've got some legitimate questions in the crease right now with, with Vili Husso and Alex Nedeljkovic. Um, Vili Husso is a guy who's played, I think, 60 NHL games, and he's making 4.75 mil until 2026. And then Nedeljkovic has his moments, but he's also had his, his anti-moments with the Red Wings. So, and first of all, I just want to take a second and mention this. I don't want to go on a tangent, but I did you know I saw somebody in the comments of my 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 piece about Murray and Samsonov, the hockey writer shared that article on Facebook, which is always creates a gold mine for, for hot takes. And I had a guy, I saw a guy in the comments say that he would take Detroit's tandem of Huso and Nadelkovich over Murray and Samsonov. Nah, never. Like never. Okay, man. Like you can, you can hate Murray and think it was the wrong move and think Samsonov doesn't have that potential all you want, but like, Vili Huso's got 60 NHL games played and Nadelkovic has had, 
I don't know. Anyways, I'm not going to go off on that a little too much, but I just, I just thought that was funny and wanted to mention it either way. I think the Red Wings are a good team. They'll be competitive this year, but I, if we're talking about them long-term, I do worry about those contracts they signed. Peter, your thoughts on the Red Wings going into the season? Yeah, Vili Husso is definitely going to be the big X factor question mark. The Ben Chirac contract, I everybody did not get that at all. Like, I I don't understand how someone or a player of his caliber can make close to five million. Um, big and physical, but not very strong defensively in his own end. Um, I did like the Andrew Cop contract if it was just you know five million and not the extra six hundred twenty five thousand. Um. Because, you know, he like he can be that effective power forward kind of player that has a great shot. I think it's going to complement um, their forward unit very nicely. It's just that extra, you know, cup of uh, 600,000 is really not particularly in my range, but whatever. Um, they made improvements. I don't know if it's going to be consistent enough, but we'll see what happens because you know, uh, also you got to look out for D- uh, Dylan Larkin too. He's going to be your captain and he's going to be UFA as well. And I don't know if you mentioned that Alex, but probably did. I probably yep. zoned oh, out. I did. But yeah. No, there you go. They, they're re-signing. They got to worry about re-signing him yeah. after this year. So and right now you gotta, you got to try and focus on who was going to be more important, Andrew Kopp, Ben Sherrod or Dylan Larkin, or maybe they know that Dylan Larkin's probably going to move on at some point. Um, Again, interesting how it's going to play out. Um, I think Raymond and Sider are going to take a massive step this season. I think, obviously, the load's going to rely heavily on them. And I think they're going to thrive with it. I mean, we saw what uh, Sider was able to do uh, winning the Calder Trophy. Um, also, like, Jakob Rana. I, 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 I expect a big season from him because when the Red Wings acquired him, from the Capitals in 2020-21, he had 11 points and eight goals in 11 games. Um, 26 games played. He did have, he did deal with, I believe it was an injury. And I think he dealt with surgery as well. 19 points in 26 games. So I'm thinking that with a full season under his belt, I think he's going to be very productive for them this year. Yeah. Another underrated signing, obviously Dominique uh, Kubelik. Um, another good sign yeah. for, for Detroit as well. Um, I'm going to go as far as saying Nadelkovic is going to have a bounce back year. Um, obviously playing as a tandem with Huso. Huso's like you said, is going to be the big X factor this season for the Detroit Red Wings. I do think that this will be interesting. I think there'll be a, there'll be a bubble team. Um, obviously Tyler Bertuzzi and, and playing North of the borders another big question mark going into this year. Um, obviously that was a big headline last season, but, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, Detroit, the Detroit Red Wings for me are going to be a bubble team. I think they took a huge Mm -hmm. step. I think you're going to see, like you said, a a big step from cider and, uh, and Raymond. Um, and in fact, I'd be willing to put some money on it. Um, and with that, we'll quickly get a, sorry, a quick word from our, our sponsors, uh, draft Kings. A new NFL season is here. Get ready for NFL action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Bet parlays, spreads, money lines, and more. Plus, do it now right from the palm of your hand. Join the action, download the app, and explore everything DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. To celebrate the most exciting time of year, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a wide variety of betting markets 
for all their customers. You can also check out DraftKings' impressive features, including same-game parlays, select a game and combine multiple bets, like which team will win, touchdown scored, and more for a shot to, to win big. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to get in on the action uh, with the NFL season only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Have a gambling problem? Call Connects Ontario 1-866-531-2600. Must be 19 plus to play. Physically present in Ontario. Eligible restrictions do apply. See sportsbook.draftkings.com for details. Please play responsibly. And make sure you use our... Uh, our code SIT6, that's S-I-T-6 when you sign up. Um, more with the Atlantic Division, gentlemen, uh, the Florida Panthers. And after what was easily their best season um, in, in a long time, the Florida Panthers didn't have a great playoff, uh, which, you know, us, us Lee fans are tend to be used to. That said, they made a massive deal this offseason trading Huberdeau and Uyghur, uh for Tichuk. A um, lot of lot of questions about that uh, that deal, um, especially after both Huberdeau and Uyghur uh, signed uh, extensions with the Calgary Flames. But Peter, let's throw it to you first. How do you see the Florida Panthers going into this year? They're still going to be a threat offensively. I mean, replacing a younger, more youthful Matthew Kachuk with, you know, Jonathan Hubert always getting up there in age. Like that contract is probably, it's going to work out for the probably the first three, four years. But then after that, it may start to look pretty bad if his production starts to decline in regards for Huberto. And Kachuk, you know, 9.5, he wanted to get paid. He got paid. And, you know, to play on the top line with Alexander Barkov is absolutely going to be fun to watch. I mean, no doubt about that. Um, but again, the big subtraction is Mackenzie Weger because after Aaron Ekblad, I mean, you got players that are still, you know, in that four to six range, but you don't have a legit top two or top, uh, pairing defenseman to play alongside Aaron Ekblad right now. Um, you got Brandon Montour who looked great last season, Gustav Forsling as well, but Racco Gudas, Lucas Carlson, Mark Stahl. Are those top pairing potential? Not in your lifetime, especially if Mark Stahl signed a league minimum, 35 years old. I don't think he's got that top line potential anymore. And again, there's still questions with Sergei Bobrovsky. Which Bobrovsky are we going to see? You know, I still don't have faith in him. And with that uh, defenseman, with Mackenzie Weger gone, how you take out a key defenseman who's very underrated. And I think is a top 20 or maybe even top 15 defender because he's so underrated and he gets overlooked quite a bit. Take him out of the lineup and you still got questionable goaltending and only one defender on your team. That's capable of doing anything uh, offensively and defensively. So again, forwards are going to be safe. Goal scoring is not going to be the issue. The issue is going to be defense and keeping the puck out of the net. Yeah, I know 100%. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on the Florida Panthers going into the year? Yeah, I mean, I think they got worse. You know, I I, I like the I like the Kachuk trade for them in the sense that they locked up what's who's one of the best young players in the league mm-hmm. for the next eight years. But again, the price that they had paid to get that guy on the team, I don't know that it was worth getting rid of, you know, your, your MVP candidate who had 115 points this year on top of 
like you said, Peter, possibly a top 15, top 20 defenseman in the NHL, plus a first round pick, plus a decent prospect to get Matthew Kachuk. And I think, I think Bill Zito, if anything, just sort of may have, you know, you know, that old saying when you're, when you're, when you're debating whether or not you should eat something and it's like your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Mm -hmm. I think, I think something like this can be applied, except instead of the stomach for Bill Zito, it's his hockey team. I think his, I think his, his eyes looked at it and he was like, this is a shiny new toy. This is Matthew Kachuk. We have an opportunity to trade for him and lock him up. But in terms of everything that they gave up, I just, I don't see how they got better in losing Kibador's production in losing Uyghur's production. I just, I think they, I think they got enough in return to sort of soften the blow, but I don't think that it's going to make up for the production of those two players. And I mean, you look at the other players they brought in mark stall that's decent i guess <laughs> um honestly who else did they even sign they lost mason marchman too this offseason that's another one yeah and, and lost, claude Giroux. yeah and claude Giroux lost ben Sherratt. i just i don't know i don't i don't know how they really got better here they replaced him with what chris tierney michael delzato rudolph's balsers colin white they're just like i i just i don't see how they got better at all and they're still going to be competitive this year. Don't get me wrong. I could see them finishing in the top three in the Atlantic, but I just, I, I think that they lost too much on defense. I think goaltending still a little bit of a wild card for them, unless Spencer Knight really breaks out this year. And unless Bobrovsky plays consistently, because Bobrovsky has been, you know, he's a guy who, you know, what he, he's capable of when he's playing at the top of his game, but Florida's really only seen that on and off since he got there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. I, I think that they're still going to be a threatening team. Like you said, that offense is still going to be an issue for every team in the Atlantic, but I just don't see how they got better. And I don't know if they'll be able to build on last year the way that they the build on last year, the way that maybe they hoped because of all the players that they lost. Yeah, no, I think they've taken a, a massive step back, in fact. Um, and and Bobrovsky's very much that goaltender where he has a good season followed by a bad season. Expect him, in in my opinion, expect him to have a bad season. I think Spencer Knight's going to be the 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 centerpiece of that that goaltending duo um in Florida this season. Um I I I find to Chuck is like that 75-inch TV when you walk into a, a store and it's an it's an impulse buy, right? You don't care if it's two grand. You don't care if it's three grand. You're going to pay for it because it's that, like you said, Alex, a shiny new toy for them to, to see in Florida. And um, I think that's going to hurt them. I think I think losing a guy like Huberto, especially in the room, is going to be a major, major centerpiece uh, to, to the failures of, of the Florida Panthers this season. And um, I, I just see them taking a massive step back in the Atlantic division this season. So uh, I would say they're probably a three, four in, in, in the division. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where that goes because we all know that the Chuck can be a bit of a head case sometimes, and that'll be interesting to see, you know, how that plays out against Jake Muzzin and the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, with, with their history as well. So, um, with that, we'll jump over to the Montreal Canadians, uh, obviously added Kirby doc, um, added Sean Monaghan, um, your thoughts, Alex, we'll throw right, right back to you on the, the Montreal Canadians heading into this season. Yeah, credit where credit's due, man. I think that I think the Montreal Canadiens have had a great offseason. And I don't think they're going to compete this year. I think they're still going to be in the hunt for Connor Bedard. Um, I think they're a team that's going to kind of accept where they are right now and who they are. And I don't think they're going to make any big moves to try and really be competing with the top dogs in the division. But 
I do really like the moves they made this off season, both in free agency and at the draft. You know, they take everyone's everyone and their mom is saying they're going to draft Shane Wright first overall. Uh, they end up taking Slavkovsky, as we all know, and then using their second first round pick to trade for Kirby Doc. So, in a sense, they traded for a guy who can be a top two. He can be a top six center in the future. I think that's very obviously what his potential is. And then they got a dynamic winger out of it as well. And obviously they, and I'm also pissed off them because they drafted literally every fucking prospect that I wanted to lose. (laughs) They took Owen Beck. They took Vincennes Rohr. They took, they they took a lot of guys that I was hoping the Leafs would snag, but anyways, that, that doesn't matter. Um, Keep the rivalry alive. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> keeping the rivalry arrived by taking Alex Hobson's favorite prospects. That's single-handedly <laughs> how we're anyways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at the rest, I think Sean Monaghan is, he, he has possible, he has potential to be a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool sort of comeback story for them, especially if he can, he can impress at the start of the year and they can trade him for prospects or picks at the deadline. Uh, I think that they still got to work on that marketing. I don't know if you guys watched that video of him eating toast at the bell center. <laughs> Do you guys remember that old Twitter account, boring Sean Monahan? Yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah. a tweet the other day that was like, I'm starting to wonder if boring Sean Monahan was actually just Sean Monahan because the, <laughs> he's just sitting there. It's like, Hey, I'm just checking out the bell center here. I guess you can call me Sean Monahab. Ha ha ha. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like it's like oh man it's like an ai program to make jokes anyways uh, boring boring centers aside i think uh i think the habs like i said they're not going to be competitive this year but i do like what they're doing in the long run i think they can uh i think they'll be annoying this year i, I know the habs are a team that likes to outwork you they like to be annoying and they've still got some fun young pieces in place it'll be interesting to see if slavkovsky can make the lineup out of the out of, out of the gates if not then i think they're getting a solid piece next year or the year after uh overall that's that's about all i have to say about montreal peter what are your thoughts on the montreal canadians yeah uh, they're in, they're heading in the right direction they're they're I think at some point they're going to be what the Buffalo Sabres were last season. I think it still makes some noise, still be a thorn in team sides, but maybe may not move the needle as much as the Buffalo Sabres would, but maybe inch a little bit closer. And you know, second season with uh, St. Louis behind the bench, he's still growing, the team is still growing itself. Um, you know, it, it, again, it could be a tale of two Montreals, it could be the Montreal that we saw at the beginning of last season or the Montreal down the stretch where. You know, they made it interesting and like went on streaks to win games. Again, defense is going to be a very big question mark with uh, Michael Matheson, Joel Minson, David Savard, Justin Barron. I like, I like to see him jump up, even Jordan Harris, but, um, you know, and also Caden Gooley, is he going to make a run to try and crack the opening night roster? Because he looks like, you know, a player that can surprise everybody right now. Um, Again, it's still going to be another tough season. I think maybe they may improve a little bit in the standings, but not a whole lot. And again, with Kirby Doc and Sean Monahan, great additions. Obviously, you still need to sign Doc, but a lot of question marks still coming. Is Sean Monahan still going to be healthy? Um, can Doc turn everything around um, after he was rushed in by the Blackhawks and even dealing with that wrist surgery that he suffered at the World Juniors? cutting his tournament short. So a lot of X factors, but still a lot of potential. And I think they're betting on the fact that they can't turn it around and that's a great sign, but we still need to see that happen. 
I'm going to go as far as say, I think this team is going to impress a lot of people this season. Uh, I, I really, I really do think they're going to take a major step in the direction uh, in the right direction. Sorry. And uh, I don't think they're going to be as close to getting Connor Bedard as people, people mm-hmm. truly think. I think the biggest acquisition for them this, this off season was, was signing Mark Tan St. Louis behind the bench, his, his mentality, his, the, the way he's thinking about this team and, and letting them play, um, letting them run on just instincts rather than trying to to draw every play up. I think uh, that's going to be super beneficial to guys like Cole Caulfield. And we saw that when he came in last season. We saw when St. Louis took over last season that Caulfield re- really stepped up his game. I think Christian Dvorak is going to have a ba- bounce back year. I think he he had a terrible season last year. Jonathan Duran is going to be, be a big question mark if he can get back in the lineup and play well. Josh Anderson, obviously, is a guy that, uh, you know, you want to see him um, play the same same level that, that he's been at the last couple of years. Evgeny Dadunov is another, another great addition in the middle six. Uh, Jake Evans, again, another another great uh, great piece. Um, and Sean Monaghan is going to be a, be a major uh, – game changer for this team i think um suzuki again was great last year i think he's going to be even better this year he's coming off that big deal um you know and and really the biggest question marks and this seems to be the theme with the atlantic division is going to be goaltending uh carry price obviously the belief is is that he's done his career is done um that's going to be it for him but if it is um obviously jake allen's going to be the go-to sam montembeau is going to be another uh, interesting piece to see whether he can take on a, a bigger role with this team as well but that back end in the goaltending will be the biggest question marks for the montreal canadians if they can if they can overcome that this team's actually going to be pretty impressive i think um and could be i'm not going to say they're going to make the playoffs but they're going to be a, be a couple steps back from those playoff teams and uh I think, you know, you mentioned it here in, in a couple of years, this, this team's going to be very, very impressive. They have, they have one hell of a prospect uh, pipeline and yeah. um, obviously you'll be writing about that. So uh, stay tuned for, for Peter's piece, but it's going to be, it's going to be a very exciting team over the next couple of seasons. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on that. Um, Spoiler next, alert, top 10. Top 10. I, I, I believe it. I, I mean, yeah. I, for me, I'd, I'd probably say they're in my top five, but um yeah very very impressive uh what they've done with the draft over the couple last couple of years so um ottawa senators ottawa senators uh big additions Giroux, debrinkat um obviously locking up josh norris on an eight-year deal um peter what are your thoughts on the ottawa senators Again, kind of still in that range where obviously still rebuilding, but are is it enough for them to take that next step? Obviously, they went and got rid of Matt Murray and brought in Cam Talbot. Um, is Cam Talbot going to be able to carry the load in front of that Ottawa defense, which has looked shaky at times? Um, but the four group, again, fantastic. With Norris bringing in Debrinkat, I thought that was a fantastic addition. They're, they want to try and make some noise. They want to try and be a factor this season. Even signing Claude Giroux, who I thought he was going to go to a contender, to go to a developing team was kind of a bold move, but I think he's going to do a great job with his leadership, his voice, and his presence, and even still be good for maybe at least 20, or not not 20, bleh, 50 to 60 points. Um, he's going to be a factor offensively to try and lead the team as well. Obviously, Brady Kachuk has a C, but Claude Giroux has the experience. And, you know, their depth is pretty decent as well. I love the Matthew Joseph signing. Um, You know, I love his speed. I love his energy and the fact that he's able to get in hard on the forecheck. 
I think he fits the mold of what the Ottawa Senators are going to be. So I thought that was a very great signing. Um, obviously, Tim Stutzler can't say anything bad about him. Shabbat as well. Again, following Shabbat's defense, big question marks. Um, again, probably kind of like so like Montreal may move the needle a bit, but I don't think a whole lot. And I maybe they could battle for a playoff spot, but that's very, very slim. I think they're going to be in that, you know, five like five five six spot in the in the Atlantic division but I think they're going to be very well improved Alex what are your thoughts on the Senators for Ottawa I'm actually pretty high on them this year and not really that I think they're going to chat like they're going to like they're going to make the playoffs I don't think they're going to do they're I don't think they're going to make it that far but I think that they're 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 at the point when you know, they're confident in the young pieces they've got and they've started building around them and there's still lots of work to be done on the back end. But I think adding Debrinkit Giroux, those two guys in that dressing room is going to be massive for them. Um, obviously, then you factor in all their young stars taking a step forward. And we know that the Senators are always going to be an annoying team and they always have been. They always, they're that annoying little mosquito to the Leafs. They always, you know, come from behind and bite them when they're, when they're least expecting it. And I think it's going to be that much worse this year because now they're going to have, you know, sights set on making the playoffs and it's not going to be like last year where maybe towards the end, they're like, okay, let's just go out and play our hearts out every night. Like they're actually going to be working towards something. So mm-hmm. I think the sends of all the teams that are on the fringe of making the playoffs, I think they're the team that'll probably make the most noise. I could see them challenging for that fourth spot. Having said that, I don't think that, they're going to make the playoffs, but I do think they're on the right track and they're probably the most underrated team in the Atlantic, in my opinion. Okay. Broken record time. I think their biggest issue is going to be goaltending. <laughs> I, I, I know I keep going back to this, but Cam Talbot, are you sure? Because everyone is saying that Cam Talbot is going to be a Vesna contender. I, I don't know about that. I, I really don't know about a Vesna contender. I mean, not literally, I'm, but it seems like that's the case after the Matt Murray trade. Yeah, no, I, I know. I, I just, I'm looking at the back end again, and, and they've got some pieces in place. Obviously, Shabbat, um, Travis Hamannick is, is going to be an interesting piece. Um, Bernard Docker, I mean, they've, they've added guys like Christians Rubens, which is, is a, I, I think is a solid addition. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love Lassie Thompson. I love Nikita Zaitsev. Uh, you know, obviously didn't like him in a, in a Leaf jersey, but he's he's done well in Ottawa. Artem Zub is is done well with the uh, the Sens, but just not not really your your you know incredible top six that are going to make uh, make you know it easier on a guy like Cam Talbot. And nothing. I'm not taking away anything from Cam Talbot. I I do think he's a solid goaltender. Um, that said, I don't think he's a guy that can play 60 games and be be a, a factor in in pushing you into the playoffs. I don't think he's going to steal you the games that you need to to have stolen to to be a playoff team. And you know, past him, I mean, we're talking about Mad Sogard, Anton Forsberg, and Antoine Bibo. So, I mean, not 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 the greatest backup when you're talking about you know goaltending in Ottawa. That said. Their 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 forward unit is going to be incredible. I I'm so excited to see how this all works out. Obviously Giroud, Debrinkat, uh, to Chucks there, Stutzla. Um, you know there there's some major pieces here that that can make this team fun to watch. Josh Norris, I mentioned him. Shane Pinto's another guy that uh, I don't think is getting enough enough talk about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know this is going to be this is going to be a fun team to watch. I will agree that they're going to be a bubble team. I think the 
they will go as far as their goaltending takes them. So if Cam Talbot wants to be, you know, wants to steal a few games, this team could push themselves into the playoffs. Um, but at this point, I still think it's very unlikely. I think we're going to see a similar top four in the division that we saw last year, but there's going to be some noise made by those bottom, bottom few teams there. So um, the Sens are a team to watch. They're going to be fun. Um, just not there yet, but uh, definitely a team worth keeping, keeping our eyes on uh, moving forward. Um, gentlemen, our Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, let's throw it to you, Peter, real quick. Our Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, we're skipping Tampa Bay because, you know, they really didn't make anything right. Uh, I figure we throw it to them back. last. I figure they throw up to them yeah. last for, for knocking us out in seven last year. Okay. All right. I, I'm good with that. That's what you get Tampa. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, Again, this is going to be the make or break year for Kyle Dubas. I mean, I, I think that's already been said before. It's been repeated nonstop in the media because of the Murray trade, because of the Sansona signing. Um, question marks in itself. But as we talked about in like the second or last episode of uh, season two, I think Matt Murray's going to bounce, bounce back. He's got a better defensive team in front of him. He's the hope is that he is healthy, that he's on the men's that um, he is in the right mindset with everything to happen, especially last season. Last season was a rough season for him. Um, the fact that he's got familiarity with his goalie, uh, goalie consultant, he's part of the Leafs, uh, you know, Sheldon Keefe, Dubas, they were high on him when he was the goalie for them in this with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. I should have just said Sioux Greyhounds. Um but yeah, I mean, and, and every and I, I think that's going to be the big factor. I think Matt Murray, if he's healthy, he's going to be a big piece for them. If Sansonov is able to work on his mechanics, not be over aggressive, and be a little bit more stable in net, he has he has a potential. He's a first round pick because of that. And again, everyone is going to judge the Maple Leafs on the Fords because you know. You let Ilya McKay have walked, but I think Cali Yarncroc, Alex, I know you're probably a big fan as well. And I've been, I'm thinking about getting a Cali Yarncroc jersey because you're getting, I don't want to, I don't want to give too much weight because I think Alex is going to talk about him as well. To have that kind of like middle six forward at that price than Ilya McKayev is just a big win in itself. And I don't understand why people are saying, oh, you're giving a 30 year old 2.1 million. Yeah. Well, you know what? Ben Sherrod is what? How old, how, how old is Ben Schrott? I, I think 32 or 33. So Too old he's 32, for the contract 30. he got. <laughs> so everyone is complaining about Cali Yarncroc, who's 30 years old, for getting 2.1 million, but no one is complaining about Ben Sherrod, who's 31, getting close to 5 million. It's Leaf yeah, Syndrome. Because, yeah, it's Leaf Syndrome. Leafs, like, it's because the Leafs signed Yarncroak and a team that's not the Leafs signed Sherrod. That's why. And the fact that Yarncroak can play any position had the speed, had the energy. I think that's a good replacement for Ilya Mikheyev. Um, Again, I think the Maple Leafs are going to, Maple Leafs are going to be a top three team for sure. There, there's no doubt about that. And if anyone is saying that they're not even a playoff team, come on. Austin Matthews is going to have another big season. Mitch Rocky Marner Richard, for the three first, years in a row, three years in a row, bold prediction. There you go. I'm all for it. Mitch Marner is going to hit hundred points a season. I, 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 I'm going to say it right now. And if I don't, I'm, who cares if he, even if he gets close to it, I think this is the season because of COVID last season, missed that slow start, you know, the shortened season, the previous year before, I think he's going to have a big year. I think John Tavares is going to bounce back. I think William Nylander 
barring any potential trade again we don't know um i think he stays and i think he's going to repeat that 80 point performance so there's your top four being your top four being productive and if they make the playoffs anybody who says that they didn't produce in the playoffs look at the stats just look at the stats all all four players are at least in the top five in scoring so there's my ted talk and also i want to see nick abe kubel in that fourth line role and somehow those top four being the top four still won't be good enough for Leafs Nation. But Alex, what do you got for the Leafs coming into the year? The Leafs are the best and everybody else sucks. That's my take. <laughs> no, I like it. I mean, I like you, it. <laughs> you know what? I don't, I, I'm in sort of a boat where I don't think that the Leafs really got better or worse this year. I think they just sort of stayed the course. They stayed the course. They, mm-hmm. you know, they lost Campbell and McKayev and sure losing McKayev is going to hurt in a sense, but I, I, I think, in replacing McKayev with Yarncroke, you're not really, you're losing some speed maybe, but maybe, but that's about it. I think the production's pretty even. Um, and then, I mean, obviously the goaltending situation is what it is, but you know, I've maintained this entire time and uh, shout out to Sean Filippelli for writing a great article on this for the hockey writers. Um, I think that, you know, if nothing else between Murray and Samsonov, you will, you can expect to see, them playing their hearts out to to take each other take take the job from each other throughout mm-hmm. the season. I think the internal competition between those two goalies is going to be a big factor for them this year. And you know, I I, I kind of wrote about this the other day in my article too about how the tandem's got boomer bust potential. You've got Murray who's looking to just get his career back on track. A guy who you know had had a couple of great seasons with Pittsburgh. Um, his father died of course in 2018 and then the year after he was traded to Ottawa things obviously did not go well in Ottawa um I think that you know Murray signing that massive contract that he did and going from the Penguins to the to a team like the Senators who are pretty far from contention and you know expect to be the guy between the pipes um I think a lot of that stuff could probably be a culture shock for a person and uh mm-hmm. You know, I think Murray, like you said, Peter, the fact that he gets to work with his childhood goalie coach and he gets to work with people that he's familiar with. I think the only thing that worries me about Murray is that we know how hard the Toronto media can be on goaltending. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. If I can tell Leaf fans, and Leaf obviously Leaf media is going to do what they want, but if I can tell Leaf fans anything, I would say if Murray doesn't work out this year, direct your complaints to Dubas, not to Matt Murray. I don't think, I, I, I'm worried. I don't want him to receive, you know, the kind of treatment that other guys, other goalies in Toronto have gotten in the past before, but at the same time went off track a little there. I think you've got Murray who's looking to get his career back on track in a familiar area. Like I said, familiar environments. And then you've got Sam Sonov who was a first round pick just six years ago. And when he was drafted, (laughs) when he was drafted, like the expectation was that he was going to be one of the best goalies in the league. And then the next Vasilevsky, the next Vasilevsky. And then, you know, for Washington to not even offer him a contract three years into his NHL career, that's got to be a bit of a culture shock or not a culture shock. That's got to be a bit of like a, a bit of a humbling, a bit of a humbling for, for, mm-hmm. for Sam Sonov. And, you know, I'd imagine that with the money he's making this year, which isn't much $1.8 million for him to take a deal like that at this stage of his career, I'd imagine he's looking to pr- show the capitals that they fucked up by letting him go like that. And I understand why they didn't pay him the money they did because he had had a couple of bad seasons in a row. And at that point, you don't really want to commit $3 million to a guy. But I think that 
regardless, you know, he was supposed to be their guy in the future. They gave up on him at the age of 25 before he even reaches UFA status. So I'm interested to see how, how Sam Sonov does this year. And I think when you've got him and Murray, who are both being looked at as guys that aren't good enough to take the Leafs past that second round, I think when you've got that motivation and then you've got the competition between the two goalies, I think that one, at least one of those guys will come out better than expected this year. So I'm interested to see how that goalie tandem shakes out. Woo woo. You guys hear that? That's the, uh, that's the Matt Murray train. And this is the conductor right here. <laughs> All right. I'm all over it. I Let's love go. Matt Murray. I think it's, I honestly, like, I'm going to get crucified for this, but I think they're the second best goalie tandem in the Atlantic division right now. Oh, I think they're the second best goalie tandem in the, take. aside from Vasilevsky. Okay, you wrote an article about hold, hold that. On, read on, the hold, comment section. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you, before, I just want to get verbal confirmation of this Forbes. Okay. Cause this could be a, this could be one of those clip it moments for the podcast. So, Andrew Forbes, on the record, you would take the tandem of Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov over the tandem of Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight. Yes. And I here's why. Here's why. Both I of them comes with their pros and cons. I think Spencer Knight is going to be unbelievable. He is mm-hmm. going to be unbelievable. Yeah. He's not there yet. <clears throat> He's not there yet. He doesn't have – he has such a small sample size. He's not there yet. Um, and, and Bobrovsky, like I said – He's one of those guys, he's like a Craig Anderson, where one good year, one bad year, one good year. And Anderson did that for years over his career when he was in with Colorado, when he first came over to Ottawa. He was he was the guy where, you know, one year he's putting up 30 wins, the next year he's putting up 10. And and Bobrovsky's had that inconsistency. And now you don't have the back end that you had the last couple of years that protected him and made him look maybe better than he was. And I like, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from Bobrovsky. I'm saying he's inconsistent and he's, yeah. he's showing that he's, he's showing that over his career. I understand that there's a lot of question marks with Matt Murray and Ilya Sam- Samsonov, but you, you said it yourself, Alex, you said that these guys, they're, they're both on prove it deals at this point right matt murray is trying to get things back under control he's you know coming off a lot of personal issues whatever he had he's coming off the concussions um he has to get his career back on track and if he doesn't there's a young guy who's a first round pick and still has a lot of potential he's six years removed from the draft goalies don't develop you know, as quick as and hit their time. And defensemen absolutely so jack campbell jack campbell just signed a five by five 12 years after he was drafted yeah right and so. he's coming off two of his best seasons right so for me i think samsonov is going to be a very interesting piece i'm not saying that he's going to be the starter at the end of the year i'm saying he could potentially push murray to the to, to be better than he needs to be to get this team past you know over the hump this team will be very interesting going into the playoffs if these two goalies are the are the tandem going into the end of the year. I still say that I mean obviously Vasilevsky's the best goalie in in the NHL right now. There's no question. Um I think that next to him Toronto might have the best goaltending in the Atlantic Division this year. For me, that's the one storyline that they need to look at. Aside from that, I think I think you know the Leafs are at a standstill in terms of in, in terms of the, their improvement. I don't think they they improved. I don't think they declined in in terms of their productivity. Um, 
And I think like, like Peter said, their top four are going to be their top four this year. And, and John Tavares is coming off an off season where he had a full off season. He had a full off season though. Right. He's not, he didn't enter the off season injured. So he's coming back where he he had the, the ability to actually train and, and, and get everything, you know, under control. So I think the Leafs are going to be a fun team to watch as they have been Leafs nation. Stay the course, stay the fucking course. I didn't know that John Tavares's 76 points in 79 games is going to be a bad season for some in the Leaf world, but whatever is considered a bad, bad season because he didn't score 30 goals. But uh, to your point, Andrew, um, I'd, I'd go it like, I don't know if they have the best goaltending tandem. I, I think it's still going to be top two because let's face it, Tampa Bay, Brian, Vasilevsky and Brian Elliott were great last year. I would put Toronto ahead of Bobrovsky and Knight because even Spencer Knight showed signs of, you know, still being a young goaltender, still trying to find his footing. I'd say that this is the best, like, balanced tandem the Maple Leafs have had since the Shanahan era began. Mm-hmm. Because you all, like, Frederick Anderson always carried the heavy workload. You didn't have a capable backup. I mean, they did in Curtis McElhinney, but then you let him walk. And then after that, it was a revolving door of goalie after goalie after goalie to try and help out uh, Anderson. Same thing with Campbell right now. This season, Peter Morazic wasn't that great. Uh, Eric Schalgren looked great at times. Again, still young, still trying to find his footing. And same with Joseph Fall. So still a revolving door with Campbell. And even so, the backup didn't rely on. If you had that solid... 1A, 1B, where two starters are trying to push each other, I think that's going to go well. And I think this is going to be the best balance they've had in quite some time because when have you had two potential capable starters for the Maple Leafs on one roster at one point? No, absolutely. And and I that that that's what I'm saying. I think this is going to be a very impressive team to watch. Um, boys, Forks, we're before, to... before, sorry, before we move on, Forbes, I just wanted to say that if you've got thick skin and you are ready to be yelled at by 150 people, that Clip is an it. article to write. Clip that it. is an article to write about how the Leafs have the second yeah. best tandem in the Atlantic. Yeah. I do that it. One, that one might get Book more it. interactions than any other article ever written at the Hockey Writers. Just you will get the views you. big time. My thin, my thin, my my skin's pretty thick, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens. All right, but all right. Uh, all right. We're going to quickly run through Tampa Bay as, uh, you know, I got to sign off here very, very soon here, boys. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tampa Bay, you guys want to, uh, Peter, throw any thoughts out there that you have on Tampa Bay? I think they're going to be the top team again. I mean, they, they, even in the worst possible times that they're facing adversity, Tampa Bay always bounces back. And the fact that they their biggest change was getting rid of Ryan McDonough. They're still set on the back end. I think Philip Myers is, was a great addition. Cal Foot is starting to come into his own. And I, I just don't like that Sorgachev contract. As good as he is, 8.5, I, yeah. And, and even Eric Cernak, I, I do not know. I do not know about those contracts. But Anthony Sorelli, the forward group, Kucherov, Point, Stamkos. What, can, what, 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 can, what else can you say? They, 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 they are the almost three-peat champs for a reason. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Alex, what do you got for them? You know, I, I think the I think the Leafs are going to be first in the division. I don't I don't think Tampa Bay is going to finish higher than them. And you know what? You can say that's a hot take all you want, but the Leafs finished higher than Tampa Bay in the regular season last year. And Tampa yeah. Bay's biggest signing this offseason was Ian Cole. So mm-hmm. I just I, you know what? And I, I'm not. You can people who are listening to this who aren't Leaf fans can accuse me of being a homer, being biased. Biased. But the reality is nobody gives a fuck about the regular season, anyways. Like I I, I know that. 
like, I think it's pretty commonly known among Leaf fans right now that if the Leafs, you know, if anyone wants to look at this upcoming season in a positive way, they're going to have to get out of the first round. So whether or not the Leafs will be able to get out of that first round and possibly beat Tampa Bay in the first round again, if it comes to that, I don't know. We'll have to see because Tampa Bay, like you said, Peter, they always find a way, but if we're talking in terms of the regular season, I think the Leafs improved more than Tampa Bay did. And I could see them. I, I still think they're going to be competitive. I still think they're going to make a deep playoff run because they are still the Tampa Bay lightning, but I don't know. I don't really see them being a dominant force all throughout the season and, t- and running away with the Atlantic. I think the Leafs will probably finish first in the Atlantic. What the Leafs do with that. We'll, we'll see. I don't know where they, they it all, it all comes down to whether or not they can win in the playoffs. But um, I think Tampa Bay, Obviously, they're still leaning on Vasilevsky. They did lose some free agents, but they've still got that defensive foundation in place. They've still got lots of stars they can look to for goal scoring. They're still going to be a top five team in the league. I just don't, I don't know if they'll be top in the Atlantic again. Well, boys, that's it. A lot of a lot of exciting times ahead of us. And as we mentioned, we'll have some big news uh, to kick off the show, hopefully next week. Um, as always, Welcome back to season three of Sticks in the Six. Follow Alex over on Twitter at A Hobson Media. You can follow Peter at P Barakini. You can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes, or you can follow the show at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X I N T H E P Six I X P O D. Almost threw that one up. Um, <laughs> otherwise, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you guys download your podcasts, and uh, be sure to kick it off right away with season three, episode one. And join us all season long here at Sticks in the Six. Mm